get things started today. Looks like we got a great group in attendance. Glad to have you. Glad to have everyone here today. Do appreciate you joining us for this installment of Tuesdays at 2 with the Sun Country MEC. Just a couple of things before I turn it over to Eric here, get us started. If this is your first time here, please be aware we do record these meetings. And that's uh, helpful in case you can't be here. We do put these up as soon as we possibly can to our podcast outlet as well as the uh, YouTube outlet. And you can find that pretty easily. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, and that's youtube.com backslash at SCAMEC. You can find our channel really easy with the at SCAMEC handle. Uh, YouTube's making it easy for people to find your channel nowadays, and that's our handle. And you can find us on podcast as well. That one's a little, little bit more wordy. You have to search for it with Sun Country Pilots MEC Podcast. Any of your podcast servers that you get your favorite podcast on, you can find us there too. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, Google, Amazon, you name it, wherever you get your uh, podcast, you can find us there too. Just search for the Sun Country MEC Pilots Podcast, and that's where we'll be. At any rate, with that being said, this is recorded, like I say. So let's let's all remain professional and ask good questions and remember that we're in a public forum. I know you guys are all wonderful professionals, but there's times we do need to vent. All of us need to vent a little bit. If that's the case, please give us a call. We we love to hear your vents, love to hear your concerns. But in this forum, we try to stay on topic. And so, yeah, give us a call. Eric, Will, myself, anytime we're available here for you. We do appreciate that. With all that being said, I'm going to kick things over to Eric. I know he's got stuff to get through and uh, big day, so we'll get through it. Eric. Yeah, he thinks, Kevin. Uh, much appreciated. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Um, just a couple reminders as we... Um, uh, before we get into the slide deck here, uh, January 1st, right, uh, we see a direct contribution increase um, from 14 to 15 percent. Uh, that's the last of the increases for uh, the uh, contract that was signed in uh, December 21. Uh, so 15 percent January 1st. Uh, likewise, the minimum day pay changes from an average min day by the trip to an actual minimum pay per duty period. Uh, very significant contract gain there that we've been waiting for. Um, it makes a, a really big difference in terms of uh, schedule improvements, right? Um, and what we'll see is uh, an increase in days off uh, generated by seeing credit uh, accruing for uh, inefficiency, right? So uh, it takes the burden of the inefficiency off of us and um, we increase our pay and our schedule quality, which is great. Um, it's been a, a long two years waiting for that to happen. But uh, really, really happy to see that stuff uh, coming in in January. Uh, also, just a quick note on midterms, um, uh, slight delay in midterms, right, because it's a 60-day bargaining period. Uh, so both parties uh, chose wisely, I think, to uh, move that window into the new year. 
and um, that avoids the holiday weeks and the loss of uh, time and productivity that we would have had uh, and gives everybody a, a meaningful 60 days to work through uh, through issues, which is uh, very necessary. Um, yeah, so, you know, midterms are uh, right upon us and um, we hope uh, as your MEC that the company's ready to engage in uh, um, fixes for our pilot group, uh, in particular for our reserve guys, uh, that that increase in days off that you're going to see with the min day uh, really affects um, final line awards, especially for uh, for the regular pilot. And we need a commensurate fix for our reserve pilots. And uh, uh, we need to make uh, upgrade more lucrative, right, uh, with other airlines, especially the ultra low cost carrier segment. Uh, struggling and distracted by mergers. Um, we see them, you know, drawing down their fleets because of uh, the Airbus fan blade issue, um, as well as, uh, you know, struggling to remodel their businesses because they, uh, they're they in highly leveraged situations with leases, right? Um, almost everyone out there in the segment is pretty distracted. And uh, it gives us an opportunity to execute on growth and capitalize on the situation, right? Uh, it's time to invest um, in this pilot group and incentivize first, first officers to make a move into the left seat. Uh, really important to the success of this airline and to also improve, improving schedule quality, right, uh, is getting more people into the left seat. And uh, we're hoping that uh, that management's ready to make the moves to incentivize that move, right? Um, success in midterms, right? Uh, it's going to be key to taking advantage of the industry distractions and executing on the, the vision for growth that this MEC continues to share with our management team. Um, all right. Uh, I really, uh, truly hope that uh, we can do a couple things in midterms. Um, working together with management to uh, see some improvements for uh, for our reserve pilots um, and uh, move things forward at this airline, right? It's good for everyone. All right. Um, this Tuesday's a two call, right? Uh, these calls are really um, focused on a, a contract education effort. And uh, the let's say the, the start of these calls was really an effort to try and talk to uh, the new hire pilots as we are getting just a, an enormous amount of uh, new people, right? And uh, it's a complex contract and we just need to uh, familiarize uh, all of our new hire pilots with uh, this contract. Um, especially helpful to start, try to just break down the complexity of the legal language, right? Uh, know that there's also podcasts available on uh, kind of basic uh, contract 101 stuff as well, especially on uh, Section 25 scheduling issues. Um, but also, uh, I just want to take an opportunity to start talking about the grievance process a little bit, uh, what it is, what it uh, what it can do, can't do, uh, and how it works, right? Um, and that, I think, benefits uh, every pilot on property to have a better understanding of, uh, of the grievance process. And... Uh, all right. With that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, today about um, uh, the denial of LTT benefits. We have some updates we want to share with you guys there. And then uh, I want to talk about some uh, specific grievances that uh, have been filed or are about to be filed. Uh, one of them has to do with improper instructor swaps uh, to seat fill duties. 
Um, this is an 18H1 question. Uh, and then uh, want to talk about notification a little bit via text and personal phone and solicitation, which um, the rules in Section 18 for training pilots match uh, are almost basically a copy paste of what you uh, have in Section 25 as a regular reserve pilot. Um, but what we're seeing here is some rescheduling of people, uh, swapping and, and the like, without uh, their work going through uncovered training events. And that means that uh, our pilots are losing work opportunities, right? Uh, along with that, I want to talk about uh, best held pay. This is kind of a new uh, with uh, not uh, coming up on two years now, right? But um, uh, best held pay uh, is a construct to uh, encourage people to stay in the jobs that they're in um, and pays them at the higher rate to stay in those jobs, um, the higher rate of what a position is that they could hold, right? And what we're seeing here is an example of a, a pilot who went into training uh, in the training department and was not paid at the best held rate. And there's some pretty clear language to uh, reflect that. All right, so uh, digging into the um, well, LTD issues, uh, we do have some good news to share here, right? The uh, company has agreed to pay uh, for affected pilots and um, pay them for the gap from the time that their, uh, you know, family docs that they were ready to go back to work until the time that they re received their FAA medicals, right? Uh, we do have other pilots, uh, we assume, that are, a, you know, on long-term disability, and what their medical status is is unknown a little bit to us, right, because uh, that's not really something that's shared with uh, with the MEC, um, and for good reason, right, but uh, we don't necessarily know whether those pilots are out there affected and on a pay loss, and we're encouraging all of you, if you can go out and talk to people, if you guys are on LTD, uh, please have them reach out, right? Um, what kind of is being set up here, right, are decisions based on the individual merit of the pilot's illness. That's not what is in the contract. The black and white is pretty clear on this, uh, that you are, um, uh, you know, fully disabled uh, if you don't have a medical, uh, because we just have a, a different issue as pilots um, and our ability to make money uh, is tied to that medical, right? So uh, we did send a letter of understanding to the company uh, seeking clarification that uh, what the black and white language is, uh, is actually what it is, right? Um, this is what happens when you get into these corners where uh, one of the two parties takes a position uh, that is, you know, outside of the book or uh, you run into, you know, situations where the language just kind of runs out uh, beneath your feet, right? Where there's just um, uh, nothing left in the language there, right? So. Um, in this case, we think the black and white language is very clear. Uh, we have clear ground to stand on, but because the, there's been some questions um, about how the language is applied, uh, we're seeking clarification for our pilot group that uh, what is in the black and white is uh, is there and clear, right? So um, this letter of understanding, uh, right, is based on this language here on the left side, right? So for the first 24 months that LTD benefits are payable, a pilot shall be considered totally disabled uh, under the plan. If due to illness or injury, such pilot is unable to perform the duties of his occupation as a pilot uh, or is unable to maintain, and importantly, or is unable to maintain the FAA medical certificate required for his permanent position. Right, so uh, here's a, a copy of the letter that we sent over um, 
uh, if you read kind of through the uh, beginning preamble stuff here, you get down to the meaningful paragraph uh, where we say, pursuant to Section 27B, pilots will be considered medically disabled and eligible to receive LTD benefits when they are unable to maintain the FAA medical certificate required for their permanent position, including any period awaiting the receipt of the said required medical certificate from the FAA, right? So what we're looking to do here is uh, clear up um, any uh, question regarding the status of the medical and the pilot's eligibility for long-term disability benefits. Uh, we're hoping that we can resolve this uh, in fairly short order. Um, just as a matter of uh, the grievance process and kind of the legal uh, maneuverings here, right? Why a letter of understanding? Uh, why not a, you know, a letter of agreement or uh, some other uh, mechanism, right? Uh, and what's important here is when you run into these positions where you have something that isn't consistent with the contract, you try to work together to avoid the grievance process, right, and try to uh, overcome the obstacle that's in place uh, by reaching agreement. And when you do reach agreement, you need to memorialize uh, that uh, the two parties now have an understanding. And the way you do that is with a letter of agreement, right, a letter of um, um, uh, a letter of agreement is a little bit different in that it changes the contract language, right? The letter of understanding looks at the contract language and says, we understand now what the black and white language says. Both parties have the same uh, meeting of the minds and uh, you memorialize that, right? So that's what we're, we're looking to do here. Um, uh, seek resolution, avoid the grievance process. And there's, uh, you know, unless this is uh, resolved with uh, some kind of memorialization, there is a risk of a claim of acquiescence, right? So acquiescence is kind of a legal term for um, not having enforced the contract, right, in, in simple terms. Uh, so what we're looking to do is just uh, get some clarification and then put the issue behind us. So hopefully we can get there uh, with the company and they can uh, sign a letter and make it clear uh, what their position is. Um, next thing I want to dig into is this kind of notion of swapping, right? Um, this is uh, an improper training pilot instruction training event swapped into a seat fill training event, right? Uh, so the the sim instructor uh, is originally scheduled for um, instruction, right? Sitting in the instructor seat and then receives a call or a text or uh, something from a training scheduler and tries to move that guy into a different training event, which is a seat fill training event, right? It's two different, uh, two different training events um, and without having to wash through uncovered training events, one of those work opportunities uh, is erased. Uh, if not two in this situation. So uh, important that we get some clarification here. Um, the language that we're looking at, 18H1, so training events and training trips that are uncovered or become uncovered uh, after the publication of the training pilot final schedules and training events and training trips created after the publication of the training pilot final schedules shall be OMS published as uncovered training events and training trips via an electronic online system for training pilots and non-seniority list instructors who wish to add training events and training trips to their schedule. So uh, quite a bit happening in this paragraph, right? So it's addressing uh, training events, which is the only work really that um, 
training pilots, instructors do, uh, and then training trips, which are uh, trips that are withheld from FO bidding and, or purchased later um, after the final line award from the regular pilot side of the house and migrated into training. Okay, so uh, this encompasses basically all of the work that a training pilot or non-seniority list instructor would do. Uh, training events and training trips, right? So uh, anything that becomes uncovered um, uh, after the uh, final schedule, right? So at the final schedule, the training department has the opportunity to put all of this work onto the training pilot schedules. And uh, once that has been published, anything that uh, comes open after that uh, is uncovered for any reason, uh, needs to be OMS, shall be, right, uh, OMS published uh, as uncovered training events and training trips, right? So uh, that is uh, right now currently kind of a SharePoint calendar. Um, they're not advanced enough yet uh, to have all of the uncovered training events posted in eCrew and available to training pilots. So they're uh, working off of uh, basically like a SharePoint calendar. Now, when those things aren't posted in there, right, uh, say a training um, scheduler calls a non-seniority list instructor or a seniority list instructor right away uh, when they see some work that needs to be done, right? They're circumnavigating the ability for uh, all of the training pilots and non-seniority list instructors to be able to pick up that work, right? Um, which is what we see here in this instance. So, uh, like I said, the fact set, right, uh, the instruction training event, so sitting in the instructor seat became uncovered when the training pilot was uh, removed from the awarded event. So, presumably, uh, this uh, training pilot either picked up this work from uncovered training events or it was on his final line award. In any case, that was what he was awarded and there to do that day. Uh, then the instruction training event uh, is removed from him. Uh, via, I think, uh, a text, and it might have been a phone call in this case, but I think it was a text, and um, he's asked then to uh, not perform the instruction training event, but instead uh, work in the uh, left seat as a captain doing a seat fill, right? So um, that instruction event, uh, the original uh, training um uh, where you're sitting in the instructor seat, that needed to be posted in uncovered training events when he moves out of that seat, right? Um, and then, or basically deassigned from that work. And then uh, that training pilot who's removed then was solicited uh, for an unpublished uh, seat fill training event, right? As I've said. So um, just reading through uh, the grievance that you see on the right side here. So this is. Um, uh, basically a screen clip, right, uh, of the full uh, grievance letter. It just doesn't justify very well on a PowerPoint slide, but uh, this explains the narrative of the issue, right? And this is what uh, what these letters look like when they're sent over to the company uh, claiming that there was a, a violation, right? So um, just for the benefit of the folks on the phone, uh, I'm going to read the narrative. Uh, so this grievance is based on the company's violation of the pilot agreement, Section 18H1, uh, 18H1A, and all related sections and letters of the agreement when, for example, on or about September 14th, 2023, and September 30th, 2023, the company changed instructor 
pilot captain. I blanked this out because I didn't get any permission to, to uh, put it up on the screen. Um, uh, so uh, assigned instructor duties from instructing to simulator fills. Uh, this is a violation of Section 18H1, as all uncovered training events uh, or UTEs must be OMS published as uh, uncovered training events, which did not occur in this situation. Additionally, this is a violation of Section 18H1A, as the company shall not solicit training pilots outside of the OMS publication of uncovered training events. Um, so what we're looking for is, uh, as a remedy, right, um, uh, and we work through the remedy formulation question, you try to make the pilot whole, put him back in the situation he would have been had the violation not occurred, right? So um, uh, what we're asking for is, A, the company admit the violation, right? Uh, that's a, a somewhat perfunctory thing here, right, where we're saying, you know, you violated these particular sections, did you? Yes. Um, and they respond affirmatively, yes, they did. And then B, uh, the company cease and desist from uh, such action. So stop doing that, right? And then C is the make whole uh, effort, right? Uh, that the company make uh, the Sun Country MEC and all affected pilots whole, including pay protecting uh, the captain for the instructor duty that was dropped and paying him the value of the simulator fills at the premium rate, right? So uh, we're seeking for the pilot to get paid um, at the premium rate for the uh, the seat fill, right? And uh, pay protected for the um, event that he was removed from, which presumably some other pilot uh, performed. And then we seek uh, uh, compensation for that as well, right? All right, so just breaking down the language here, and this is just the copy-paste of uh, 18H1A, uh, training scheduling will not individually or generally uh, solicit training pilots outside of OMS publication of uncovered training events. No form of solicitation of an individual training pilot, including via text, email, phone, or other method uh, shall be permitted, right? Um, I should say here that there is, uh, up until January 1st, um, uh, the ability to do general email solicitations with the trip details, uh, same trip details that you would expect as a regular pilot when you get, or a reserve pilot when you get called out uh, to the airport to do some work, or a regular pilot is assigned something out of the bid pack, right? Uh, there's that long list of, uh, you know, 18 items or something that you need um, in order to uh, uh, accept an assignment, right? Make sure that it's legal and FAA legal. Um, so, What's happening here, right, uh, is the the text or the email or the phone call uh, to change a pilot's schedule. Uh, that is a, not a general solicitation, but it is an individual uh, solicitation of a specific training to pilot um, uh, and certainly didn't need to be done uh, if uh, the work opportunity was offered to the larger group. And even if it is posted in uncovered training events, Right, going around and trying to find people to uh, individually pick that up opens up kind of a, a backdoor, backscratching kind of um, situation, which uncovered training events, uh, right, as a uh, public posting is uh, supposed to alleviate, right? Um, all right. 
the last contract provision I want to dig into a little bit here. This is uh, Section 18D4A and uh, D4B, and this has to do with best held pay. Um, so uh, just looking at the provision here, uh, 18D4, uh, a training pilot will be paid their best held in category rate and capitalized as a definition, right? Best held in category, uh, commencing with the first day of the month in which he is scheduled to start training as a training pilot, right? So uh, what happens here, um, much like, um, you know, a pilot who's awarded a captain position, uh, the first day of the month uh, that you're in that position, uh, even if you started, you know, training on the 20th of the month, you're paid from the first of the month at that rate. Uh, so the best held uh, follows the same rubric and is paid to the first of the month, right? So, um, and then the second paragraph or second uh, sentence of this uh, paragraph 18D4 is um, a training pilot whose seniority can hold a higher paying position will be paid their best held in category rate starting the effective date of the award on which the training pilot's seniority would have otherwise allowed him to be awarded that position in accordance with uh, Section 24, right? So what this is, is it's saying um, if you can hold a better uh, a better position, you need to stay in the position that you're in because the work you're doing is, uh, you know, rare. Um, uh, all well and good. You can hold that position, not go to training, be held at, uh, be paid at, you know, the, the A330, 767 captain rate um, and remain a 737 uh, first officer, right? And uh, if you look at... Um, this example, right, and this is just also a copy-paste of the language out of the book, um, kind of explains uh, the situation, right? So a training pilot whose seniority can hold a 737 captain position in accordance with Section 24, but effective May 1st can hold a 767 captain position in accordance with Section 24 shall be paid at the 767 captain rate as of May 1st. Um, so pretty clear. Uh, what's going on here, um, and in this case, um, the pilot was not paid that way, right? So um, I've uh, kind of explained this a little bit, right? But the best held pay provision, um, the pilot needn't only be awarded and hold the position, right? The pilot remains working in the position that he was trained for um, and delays uh, training until a later date, right? And this was negotiated to bring stability to the airline, right? Two years ago, we were looking at an airline that was um, going to go through some pretty rapid growth, and we wanted uh, to make sure that people with specialized knowledge remained productive and didn't kind of, you know, leave positions and chase after uh, small pay raises. Um, and in fact, we just get them paid at that increased rate uh, instead of having to uh, lose the productivity for, you know, three months, five months while someone went into training. Um, so here, uh, just a little bit of uh, color to what category means, right? Because it's a defined term. Um, category means a combination of the pilot's status and aircraft type, right? So captain or first officer, and then the aircraft type 737, 767, 8330. Um, so uh, whole idea here is uh, you just remain in your position and um, keep working, right? The uh, pay net mechanism, this is not an uncommon thing. It's uh, pretty uh 
pretty normal thing across the airline industry, right, uh, where uh, people have multiple different fleet types um, and maybe not totally normalized here, right, because we just basically have had the one fleet type uh, for a very long time now. Uh, and uh, either you're a captain or an FO, right, and uh, went through many, many years without rapid growth. So there was really nobody looking at needing something like this. Um, but a pretty normal thing across the industry. Uh, and this has been kind of now normalized with the chief pilot office, uh, as well as the MEC policy manual and training pilots, right? So um, uh, similar concepts. In fact, most of the language that uh, we just read is, I think, a copy paste out of Delta um, or United um, and is pretty straightforward uh, in terms of how it's supposed to function, right? So um, again, you know, looking at uh, the formal grievance that was filed, right? Uh, this grievance is based on the company's violation of the pilot agreement, section 18D4, all related uh, letters of uh, agreement. Uh, when, for example, uh, for September of 2023, the company failed to pay first officer uh, so-and-so, right, with um, uh, an instructor pilot, uh, his best held in category rate commencing with the first day of the month in which he was scheduled to start training as a training pilot uh, in violation of 18D4A. Uh, so first officer uh, X uh, was incorrectly paid at his regular first officer rate for September of 2023. Uh, and here again, looking uh, to make the remedy, uh, the company admit the violation, uh, cease and desist in that um, the company make the the Sun Country MEC and all affected pilots whole, including paying first officer X, his best held in category uh, three-year captain uh, rate, right, for September of uh, 2023. Um, just talking a little bit about the remedy here in the, the left side, right? Uh, again, just trying to make the pilot whole, right, and put him back in the condition he would have otherwise have been in had the violation not occurred. And the reason I bring this up, right, um, is because it's not a punitive damage uh, in the sense that uh, we're seeking money beyond what the pilot would have been owed. Uh, the punitive damage would be to say go beyond what he is owed under the contract, right? Uh, you're just trying to restore the damage that was done by not paying him properly, right? Um, in this case, uh, this first officer uh, is uh, a three-year uh, employee, been on the seniority list for three years, um, and should be paid at the three-year three captain rate, um, having not gone to FO training, right? So, or sorry, uh, not having gone to captain training. Um, and he has specialized knowledge, right? Wants to come in and um, try to help the training department and the non-seniority list instructors in particular become more standard and a uh, great opportunity to use someone. A uh, company needs to pay him at the captain rate uh, because he can hold that captain uh, position. Um, all right. Uh, that's all the contract language uh, for this week, right? Uh, next week, um, I'm going to start digging into the grievance process a little bit more deeply, right? What is the ba the basic functions of the grievance process? It's going to take a couple weeks to unpackage it. Um, some of the things I want to cover, right? Timeliness of a claim. We have 60 days from the time that uh, a pilot should have known or didn't know um, to the time that the 
committee needs to be done processing that claim, right? We have a couple of different tools, uh, a pre-grievance process to preserve timeliness. Uh, payroll issues work differently than contract issues, right? So a bunch of stuff to dig into there. Um, and then uh, where the burden of proof lies, right? The burden of proof is a little bit different depending on whether it's a disciplinary grievance or if it is a contract grievance or a pay grievance, right? So um, uh, break some of that down a little bit uh, as well as uh, the different kinds of grievances, right? So we have MEC grievances, that's a grievance filed by the MEC itself, uh, group grievances, right, where you have kind of an ongoing violation where there's multiple uh, different pilots that are affected with a similar fact set, right? So you might file a grievance like we've just read through um, and have one letter and have two or three people named in that grievance and then have, you know, 150 other pilots who have had exactly the same fact set that occurred to them um, who then get added to that group grievance as claimants, right? So um, a little bit like a class action lawsuit of sorts, a group grievance, right? Uh, individual grievances where um, a single pilot wants to grieve uh, an issue specifically, and then disciplinary grievances, which are, um, you know, uh, a situation where the company disciplines a pilot and we feel that it's unjust or the pilot feels it's unjust and we uh, we take action and file a grievance on the part of the, the pilot who was improperly disciplined, right? Uh, so a bunch of different kinds of grievances. Uh, I want to talk quite a bit about arbitrations. Uh, there'll be at least uh, one of the next three Tuesdays at two will be focused on arbitration and how it works and what it is under the RLA. Um, what the limitations of uh, arbitration are, how arbitration works with uh, specific arbitrators, uh, how we strike arbitrators and come up with the list of arbitrators that we use, um, uh, and, and some some of the merits of arbitration versus uh, you know being out inside the the legal world uh, and some of the downfalls of that. Right, so we can work through some of that. Um, I think important also to understand the limit of arbitrations. Uh, under the contract, right? Uh, we only get so many arbitrations per year and we have to prioritize which issues we work on. And it's important, right, that we um, maintain a relationship with the company where we can work through uh, contract issues um, outside of the arbitration process and that uh, both parties can come to uh, come to terms, right, on what, uh, what the issues mean and what the black and white of the language of the contract is. Um, without having to uh, resort to arbitration as the only tool to um, come to solution or, for that matter, to negotiate, right? Um, we'll talk about arbitration in length for a day, I think. Uh, and then um, probationary pilots in the grievance process, so what probationary pilots uh, have access to or don't have access to under the, the grievance process. Uh, in a nutshell, probationary pilots have access to the grievance process uh, for everything uh, except for um, disciplinary uh, type cases, uh, wrongful termination cases. Uh, but certainly, you know, Section 25, Section 12, um, you know, rest and scheduling rules, um, 2302, LOA 2302, uh, how, you know, uh, probationary pilots are scheduled uh, as new hires, um, all of that uh, everyone has access to. Uh, and truly, the folks on the other side of the coin here uh, who um, 
do this work for the company, uh, whether uh, it's less less Andy Papaleo these days, more a guy named Brian Scuds, uh, who's a labor relations manager, director. I forget uh, exactly what the title is there. Um, uh, he and uh, Kristen Peterson, um, who are uh, she's a lawyer, uh, labor lawyer. Uh, for the company, as well as uh, Eric Levenhagen, who both of them work for, uh, they basically run the company's labor policy uh, for the pilot group. Uh, they also do some of the other organized labor groups, uh, but specifically, uh, we see a lot of those two. Um, they are incredibly disconnected from uh, any sort of retribution or um, uh, any kind of you know action that would be taken against a pilot the the old days of like john and joe seeing uh grievances and being actively actively participating in the grievance process that really doesn't happen um uh, it's at a much much lower level and and far more disconnected from uh let's say a crew scheduler or anyone who would take retribution against a pilot um, it just simply it doesn't work that way anymore. Uh, we're a much bigger company, right? Um, and then I want to talk about practice and press, past precedent, right? Uh, we hear, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, this happened to me one time. I don't want to set a precedent. And that really isn't what uh, precedence is, uh, nor is that what practice is. And uh, we can break both of those down a little bit and talk about how they work and uh, why why there's a difference um, between, you know, that happened once and, uh, you know, a legal definition, you know, no one and agreed to at a high level and widespread, um, ubiquitous, etc. right? That's uh, uh, quite a bit different than uh, it happened to me once, so it can happen again, right? Uh, but I think as a, as a pilot group, it's really um, important to know these things, right? It's important to know where we sit underneath uh, the RLA, know what the MEC can do, um, and uh, also, I think it helps to inform why a, a healthy relationship uh, between uh, the company and the union uh, is very important. Right under the RLA, you're really supposed to um, be able to do some of this stuff outside of the arbitration process and outside of the formal uh, Section 6 negotiating process. And if you're not, uh, you're going to fall behind, right? Uh, other companies that that are actively working to um, you know outside of those processes, and uh, it's a place where I'm comfortable, you know, doing interest-based bargaining, and um, I think it's indicative of success. And uh, this MEC is going to keep pushing in that direction, but it's important uh, at the same time for us to all have kind of a, a higher level of knowledge of what the grievance process is and how it works. Um, all right, with that, uh, I just want to open up the call to uh, Q&A. Uh, we'll stay here as long as possible and uh, answer questions and uh, anything at all. Um, and to the degree we can do the learning thing on the subjects we presented, that's great. But, um, you know, obviously, if you guys have questions that are uh, outside of what we, uh, we had on the slide deck today, um, no, I might take some time to look some stuff up and get back to you. Uh, I don't know everything off the top of my head. That's a, that's a heck of a dance to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm really happy to, uh, uh, help you guys find any, any contract provisions you want to dig into deeper. So, um, all right, let's use the, the raise hand function. I think it is star five on the phone, star six to unmute. 
and um, otherwise uh, the raise hand function in teams is a is a great way to um, get into the conversation but um, all right anything at all you guys want to talk about all right um, yeah also just want to uh, kind of reaffirm on that best held pay right that um, you, the pilot needs not actually put in a bid and be awarded it all they need to do is be able to uh hold that position right best held right uh derek i see you got your hand up um uh go ahead you have the floor hey uh i haven't got to listen in a while i i guess i just had a kind of off topic question on uh, if there's been any progress made on the hello can you hear me yeah i got you yep Okay. Hey, yeah. I, I guess uh, I had a question on whether or not there's been any progress made on the long trip LOA or long trip or uh, pre-bid uh, type uh, negotiations. Yeah. Um, Zillin uh, and um, uh, that negotiating team met with the company twice. Uh, I think it was kind of early November. And then, um, and, and at a good cadence, they were meeting uh, once a week for an hour um, and uh, having some good, meaningful conversation. I, I think the company was, you know, actually engaged in trying to reach some solutions there. Uh, the third meeting canceled, um, uh, you know, the third week uh, canceled like 10 minutes prior to the meeting. Uh, you know, those guys had done quite a bit of work to come in informed about the issues they needed to talk about. Uh, and the company has not been back to the table since. Now, with that, um, the guys who are at the table, Brian Scuds, um, has been on vacation for a week and um yeah the thanksgiving holiday just before that and then i think uh bosh uh jeff bosh who's um director of uh, crew resources i think uh he has been in greece working on ames programming for about two weeks now um i imagine uh, trying to get some things under control with uh, 117 rest rules, right? Uh, the company hasn't been tracking those uh, 117 rules properly um, and probably working on the midday programming. Um, that's my assumption uh, as to what he's working on, but um, he's just not, he's simply not here, not available. Uh, and so there hasn't been any discussion. I know we were trying to meet yet this week remotely via Teams, and uh, Zillin has reached out uh, about meeting next week. Um, in terms of what's being discussed at the table, um, for the most part, I, I think, um, uh, without getting into it too deep, uh, you know, looking for a permanent solution, right? Something that uh, goes past the implementation of PBS. The long trip construct, as the company saw it, uh, was something that died uh, with the implementation of PBS. Um, we need a commuter solution, right? And are pressing for a, a permanent solution and truly uh, pushing to negotiate that now. Um, I think is uh, important, not just waiting, you know, a year uh, until PBS is implemented and then trying to, you know, uh, 
run for cover there to try to get it to happen. Um, so also looking to uh, mix passenger and cargo flying together. That takes care of some of the inefficiencies, of the cargo only rubric, right? Uh, which brings the cost down, which then kind of opens the door to uh, creating uh, a significant more, uh, you know, long trip options. The other thing we are discussing, right, is um, really trying to move five and six day trips or anything more than that. So it's just basically anything more than five days into that pre-bid construct. I think you see some upgrade action that comes along with that. Uh, the survey, negotiating survey did reflect some of that. Uh, and I think, um, you know, getting into a pre-bid uh, really allows people to work the way they want to work. Um, hopefully that summarizes for you kind of what you were looking to get. Uh, any follow up on that, Derek? I uh, know. I think that I think that covers it for the most part. I just was wondering if there there was any progress made. So thanks for uh, answering. The question. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. Sure. Uh, anyone else? Um, questions, comments, concerns, stuff you want to talk about? Hey, Eric. Yep. Uh, yeah, hey. Uh, who's I hey, see? Joe. Uh, yeah, Joe Prudhomme here on the phone. How are you? Hey, Joe. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, I thought I heard you mention something about solicitation from the training department to instructors. Yeah. Did you did you mention like a date or a a time period on when they are able to do that or not, or that's just something they can do? Or uh, I believe right now the only uh, solicitation that is allowed. I and I I should go back and check on this to make sure. Um, because the, the LOA goes all the way back to March of this year. Um, but the only type of solicitation of any sort uh, that was allowed um, was a, a general solicitation, right? So something that went out to all instructors, but it was really focused on the SIM and uncovered training events in the SIM. Um, OE might be under that. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this is line checks. It's uh, ETOPS events, it's SIM positions, SIM fills. So, I, yeah, quite so, a few emails that get sent out, I think, on a daily basis about uncovered events. Yeah, and those, a couple things about those, right? Um, first and foremost, they end at the end of December. Okay, so no more emails after that. Oh, okay, uh, that's what I was asking. That was my original question. Okay. Yeah, uh, that that all ends. That's all supposed to be done uh, through uncovered training events in OMS. And what's what's important here, right, is that we we build a a marketplace where everyone can go to the training uh, pilots, right, seniority list guys, as well as the non seniority list instructors. Everybody is supposed to get their work either through their line award or through uncovered training events. There's not supposed to be any, you know, back room calling people uh, that's supposed to go on at all. That's supposed to be eliminated and have transparency. What was negotiated for was transparency. Do you guys get tracking on that as far as who gets awarded what events? Like, um, you would do like a reserve pilot, you know, like aren't they supposed to keep a log of who they assign yep. on the service so You guys get that, that training department? Both yeah, you're exactly right. Um, we, uh, I wish I could say that we were tracking like in the in a normal sense. Um, so the reserve assignment log, right, is still part of an arbitration from a few months ago that we're looking to get 
a decision back from an arbitrator on uh, yet this month. We're hoping before the holidays. Uh, briefs have been submitted by the lawyers, right? And what we're looking for there is uh, clear transparency uh, as to who is on a, you know, who's been assigned. So you can see what the work assignments are and you can see uh, what's available and who was assigned what when. Um, that's on the regular pilot, reserve pilot side, right? Um, yep. But you're supposed to have kind of the same level of transparency on the training side, and it's nowhere near. I mean, that that uh, um, SharePoint calendar is not uh, adequate to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so nothing, nothing that is in our contract currently that would provide that information or a pathway to to do any of that, man. I it, it's there contractually. Uh, the company hasn't implemented that stuff properly. Um, you know, it, they farmed it all out to Oliver Wyman, who's a like a consultant, right? And uh, for one reason or another, uh, they didn't get the job done. Um, you know, Oliver Wyman is a um, pretty high paid consultant in the airline industry. And I think they brought him in kind of to, you know, get get all of the work done as if they could just farm it out. And Oliver Wyman is really kind of a project manager, right? So they're they're kind of a taskmaster, right? I got a list of stuff. You have a bunch of employees sure. that need direction as to what to do. And, you know, let's let's get your jobs done for you. And I think what Oliver Wyman found when they arrived on the property was that, you know, some some country's version of that was we're going to hire you for a little while and have you execute all the work right milk the cows for me while i'm gone um yeah. but that it oliver wyman was pretty surprised by that i think uh expressed that to us and um you know there's wide swaths of contract language that aren't properly implemented and then you know that falls under under the uh, grievance process to get fixed right so um, yeah, uh, we're hoping to make some headway there shortly, right? Um, at least on the, yeah, yeah, on the regular pilot side, we've done all the grieving, all the arbitrating. There's a series of settlements that we've walked through kind of on these calls in the past that, uh, narrow down the issues around the reserve assignment log, but the reserve assignment log is the linchpin that makes all the rest of it work. So without that level of transparency, uh, it just uh, it just doesn't function yeah, simply out, out elsewhere. Yeah. 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 A yeah. lot of those backroom deals happen at, you know, the last minute. It, ju it just seems like there's there's things that become uncovered. And, you know, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. You got a uh, two o'clock departure for a Nashville line check that that comes available. And there's the emails. Right. You know, so if anyone can come. And hurry up and get to the airport we can still keep this event ha happening you know so it doesn't yeah. go into open time per se you know but so yeah and it's supposed okay. to it's, it's supposed to wash that, so. through uncovered training events right which is the equivalent of of open time on the instructor side of the house there's just no no there's there's no like professional notification other than an email on the company standpoint you know like there's no push notification Yep. Right. The push notification so. thing, they just to be clear on this, they will have, and we're interested in this too, right? Um, a push notification yeah, for, sure. for an opt-in, opt-out, you know, bell on your yep. phone or whatever. Like, hey, go yeah. check out uncovered training events, you know, go to the marketplace yeah. because there's something there. 
Um, that's, that's the fastest way to get stuff covered. And, uh, you know, I, I get that, you know, they get reaction out of people when they send them, uh, you know, text (laughs) and phone calls. But the, the reality is you're going to hit every instructor if you put it in an uncovered training events instead of the three that you texted. Right. So, um, every other, you know, property doing business above board and doing it the right way is working through open time uh, rather than, you know, texting their buddy. So, uh, yeah, it's just time to move forward, right? Small airline to a big airline. So, yeah, that's right. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate all your work. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know what, Joe? Take care. Um, All right. I see a hand up there, but uh, I've lost track. All right. So, uh, Matt uh, Bowden, how are you doing? Uh, Yeah, good, Eric. Uh, Thanks for uh, thanks for the all call. Um, so on Saturday, I'm going to be uh, officially the most junior captain uh, in the country in the company. And uh, uh, as you can imagine, I, I'm still pretty keen on being able to pick up open time and stuff like that. I guess I'm hoping beyond hope, but uh, I, I preface it that way um, because in the um, investor uh, briefing that Jude Bricker held uh, recently for the last quarterly results. Uh, a couple of uh, uh, analysts or fund managers, I don't know what they were, asked questions about the initiatives that were being pursued uh, to fix the upgrade, the captain upgrade problem. Um, and, and, and one of the questions that came through was, well, uh, how long before we see, uh, uh, you know, any, any uh, um, uh, 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 advancement on these initiatives, whatever they are, um, to fix the upgrade problem. And he said, in the next two quarters, we should see um, the uh, uh, the effects of these initiatives, and 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 we get more upgrades. So I was really curious: Are you aware, or is anyone aware, of what initiatives uh, Jude was referring to? No. Uh, other than, you know, midterm bargaining is coming up. And, you know, they've floated uh, their ideas and notions um, as to what fixes upgrades. That is as far as that's gone. We have asked them uh, very clearly to uh, engage in, you know, multiple different conversations and open the opportunity up. Right. I mean, we're this MEC is the interest based bargaining uh, MEC. Right. Uh, keep bargaining, bargain all the time, uh, you know, seek competitive advantage by working together to find solutions, right? That's that's where this airline wins. Um, and the answer to that was, we'll see you in midterms, right? So not, not exactly a, you know, sense of urgency there to solve their upgrade problem. Um, our shared problem in the upgrades, right, is the schedule quality and uh, the ability to fly more block uh, and make more money, right? I mean, we need to grow this company and schedules get better the more efficient flying that we do, right? And the more people that move into the left seat, uh, the more flying that we are going to do. There's more puzzle pieces to put the schedules together and they get better. Um, You know, that said, uh, we are very interested in uh, reserve ads and specifically uh, aggressive reserve ads. Um, Aggressive reserve ads thread the needle there uh, in a way that um, uh, is very doable and uh, is good for all pilots. And I will share also 
that the negotiating survey um, was very clear that we have a lot of latitude to work on those problems. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, as you can imagine, I'm um, uh, very keen on, on, on especially those rules around reserve um, because I will be a, a, a reserve captain for quite some time. Uh, so when Jude made mention of that in the uh, in, in the investor call, I uh, got a rush of blood to the head, thinking there might be some uh, some advances here that I haven't heard about yet. But uh, anyways, uh, I'm sure that there are others out there that would be uh, keen that, to see um, uh, uh, what, if anything, Jude was actually referring to. Yeah, I mean, next two quarters kind of fits with his timeline, right? Um, I think in his mind when he's answering that question, you're, you know, you, you get something done by March and you're, um, you know, end of first quarter and you're starting to see some of that implement and be in place by the end of the second quarter. Um, yeah, I hope that's where they're at, right? Let's fix the upgrade problem, grow this airline. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Yep, you bet. All right. Um, anyone else? Questions, comments, concerns? Yeah, I see, uh, Steve, um, you're on here, uh, beard issue, right? Um, uh, we did have some conversations with the company regarding beards. Um, they said it's the FISDO. We said you should go talk to, you know, National FAA. Uh, other companies are doing this. Uh, we're interested. Um, let's let's get something done there, right? Uh, be nice to see that. Yeah, I appreciate that, Eric. Uh, I did reach back out to HR uh, and corresponded with them, and she came back and again said that it was it was the AIP, one of the assistant AIPs that came back with that uh, that decision. I haven't gotten any information as to who exactly. Um, yeah, if you guys wouldn't mind continuing to ask that question, uh, I think that could be, you know, really open the door for a lot of people, you know, that have different religious preferences to come here yeah. knowing that they can be a professional pilot and still practice all of their uh, their personal beliefs yeah that's right otherwise they're going to go to allegiant where they can yes sir yep that's Thanks. right Yep, you bet. Yeah, we have a, a meeting set up, um, uh, I think, this Friday with the FAA and uh, cover, you know, a lot of issues from 117 compliance to uh, training department standardization, um, uh, failure rates for FOs, right? And uh, we'll get that in there somewhere and talk about the beard issue. All right. Uh, anyone else? All right, we're coming through an hour. Um, uh, unless there's some other questions, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, an hour is a really good pace for this stuff. Uh, if we can try to keep it into that one-hour time frame, I think uh, you know that's about as much contract as anybody wants to do for a week, right? So uh, uh, my burden's a little different. We'll keep doing contract nonstop, but um, uh, one hour is about as much as anybody wants to do. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Do appreciate it. Bye-bye.